When I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend. The Raggedy Doctor. My Raggedy Doctor. He wasn't imaginary. He was real. There were cracks. Through some we saw silence and the end of all things. The universe is big, it's fast and complicated. And sometimes impossible things just happen and we call them miracles. I could do with a ridiculous miracle about now. Silence, Doctor. Silence will fall. The Discussing Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and I want to start this week by welcoming back Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you, my friend? I am doing well, sir. And as always, happy to be on another Discussing Who podcast. Well, as How about you, man? Doing all right? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I am jumping up and down to talk about this episode, but of course, we will get into it. But we won't get into it unless I have the pleasure of saying, welcome back. Lee Shackelford. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm with Clarence. I'm just always glad to be here. Glad to be talking about who with you. With who with you? That with sounds like a new segment that we need to come up with. Who with you? <laughs> it's really who with y'all, but that doesn't rhyme. So. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> as they say, whatever works. I've got coffee. I'm happy, and I'm, we're talking Doctor Who. Clarence, take his coffee over. Mm. <laughs> you know, we're not in the North. We'd be saying, who would you guys use? <laughs> use. <laughs> or if we were across in the UK, I'd be having a cuppa, right? Cuppa, yeah. All right. Well, we'll just get our vortex manipulators and just kind of go over to Dave Cooper and have a cuppa. But what we won't have this week is I don't have any news. And my question before we move forward, guys, is... Do either of you have anything newsworthy that you would like to talk about before we get into the actual review? Because like I said, I don't have anything. Nor I. Nor do I. Well, that was a big bang of news. Yeah. Uh, maybe you really do, Clarence, need to come take my coffee away because I'm like on a roll tonight. <laughs> oh, God. I'm afraid of this. <laughs> <laughs> that tells me for everyone listening, just want to say for all of of our listeners. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. We are glad that you are here with us on this journey through space and time. You are appreciated. And what I also appreciate is the fact that everyone here hopefully loves to hear me say, because I love to say it, if you have not seen this episode, which of course is The Big Bang, go out, watch the episode, put us on pause, come back, because from this moment forward, Spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out and we are back to review The Big Bang. This is the 13th episode of the 2010 series of Doctor Who, first airing on the 26th of June, 2010. It starred Alex Kingston as Dr. River Song and co-starred Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor, Karen Gillan as Amy Pond, Caitlin Blackwood as Amelia Pond, and Arthur Darville as officially Mr. Pond. So summary view, Clarence Brown, what say you? I think overall, I really enjoyed it. 
It was a lot of fun. The ending almost felt like the Lord of the Rings in the sense of it kept going on forever and ever and ever. Uh, but it was all good stuff. It was a lot of um, a lot of things that made the story logically work. Uh, I did not. I mentioned this in our last review, but I did not enjoy the use of resolving issues with time in this episode. I felt like it's used as a get out of jail free card and we'll we'll get into all that but but overall i think i enjoyed the episode all righty lee shackleford yeah i while i was watching this i thought that's right clarence doesn't like this bit he must be hating this this episode <laughs> it's, it's all over the place now we got to go back and do this thing that has already happened yeah but uh but i had just had great fun with it it, it really is a uh a sentimentally i mean if, if you're a if you're as big a sentimental goof as I am, this is your kind of episode. And I, you know, I've got my complaints with it too, but not many. How about you? Do you, do you like this episode, Kevin? Oh, you know, that's a hard question well, for me to ask. Yeah. You know, I've been debating on my answer, but no matter what I debate, I come back to a singular conclusion and that singular conclusion is me saying, I absolutely loved this episode. I loved everything about it from the minute it came on to the minute it went off. There's just one thing that troubled me whenever I watched it, but, you know, and we'll get into it. But not enough River Song? Say what now? <laughs> there's there's not enough River Song. No, no, no. I'm happy with that because okay. it, 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 it balanced. Because if you noticed about the time that, Amelia disappeared, River entered. So, well, that's true. Yeah. You know, it, it, it offset each other. And I was happy. I knew River was in the explosion and she would come back eventually. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really love this, obviously. It's just a perfect bow tie for me on series five, but that's just it in a nutshell. I loved it. So let's start at the beginning. We have Amy's bedroom, or Amelia, we shall call her. The opening scene, we're back, and she's doing the pray to, you know, this prayer to Santa. And we hear that the stars have gone out. And there's this psychiatrist that's talking to her about the stars. And Clarence, I want to start with you. What did you think of this interaction about them trying to convince this child that there was no stars? What did you think of that? So I'm assuming that she remembers stars in this case because she has some latent memory from um, being a part of that time bubble is the reason she remembers. The most I can really say about that is I thought it was interesting. Of course, it's foreshadowing to when we come back to that later in the story when the doctor mentions it as well. Uh, but I did like that scene and I actually liked seeing um, the auntie in that situation. Uh, which we got to see a lot of her in this episode, which I really enjoyed. But yeah, I think it was interesting. And it goes to the overall story of how everybody thinks Amy is a little nuts. I mean, even even before this episode, people thought she was kind of nuts as a little child. So um, so, yeah, I, I, I like that. scene. Yeah, same. I, it's uh, it, it's fun to see how much things are different and yet how much they are the same. She's still being taken from shrink to shrink because <laughs> she has these <laughs> odd ideas they're just not the same odd yeah so An almost throwaway line that we know that uh, this is a very different universe because uh, uh apparently there are other people who believe that there are such things as stars too and they formed a cult 
And, uh, <laughs> Amelia's mother says, yeah, I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. <laughs> so in that universe, he's, he's not a, uh, uh, a skeptic and a <laughs> scientific thinker. He's he's the leader of the star cult. Yeah, the star guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. so, so, so I'm going to like, and I've not read this anywhere. This is my own interpretation, but it's based in a way off of cl- what Clarence said about Amy being in, or Amelia being in out of time and the being out of time affecting her. When I heard about the cult of the people who saw stars, my thought was, those are other former companions who've traveled in the TARDIS and have oh, mm. that remnant and have that insight from being former companion. I never, I never thought about that, but that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So here was my thing with the psychiatrist, and I know you know they were trying to establish that Amelia slash Amy had issues, like one of you said. Since I don't have children, I want to ask both of you this question. Was there anything wrong with her being the age that she was thinking that there are stars? Because I could equate that to at that age, she's praying to Santa. She, You know, if you believe in the tooth fairy or the Easter bunny or whatever the case may be, what per se was wrong with her fantasizing about stars? Yeah, yeah. Seven is pretty early to be taking her to a psychiatrist to uh yeah to deal with her imaginary friends so mom may be overreacting there yeah so what did you guys think of amelia's visit to the museum and specifically what young amelia finds when the pandorica opens and lee i'll start with you this time oh it's it's one of my favorite things about this episode because we we know from last week that we're going to be in for more of the kinds of surprises and twists and turns that we got last week, or at least we hope we are. But there's one thing that we know is that there is somebody in the Pandorica, and it's the doctor. So at least that much we know. <laughs> so the Pandorica opens, and it's Amy. Wait, a, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Stop the music. <laughs> or start the opening titles. Yeah, yeah, that that was a wonderful reveal. Because like Lee just mentioned, we def- I definitely expected to see the doctor uh, in the Pandorica. But it brings up a question about two people being in the same time stream and we we don't get any hell beast. I guess it only applies to the doctor. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. you, you touch the two sonic screwdrivers together and you get a flurry of sparks. But Amy took Amelia's hand and helped her run. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And you remember me saying at the beginning that there was one part of this that I had problems with whenever I first watched it was Mm -hmm. when she patted her on the head right before she takes her arm to run with her. I'm thinking you touched yourself literally as a (laughs) uh, child and an adult. Can you do that on TV? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, with timey wimey wibbly wobbly, (laughs) you can. I think we need to work on the phrasing there. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I think so. We need to cut that out. Uh, (laughs) No, no, no. Okay. But, 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 but also I think the fact that shouldn't she remember this is, is what I was thinking as that scene played out as well. Well, isn't this a completely different Amelia Pond, though? Well, so, she never said her name was Amy. She said it's complicated. Yeah. So, so this all plays into my ultimate gripe with the right. episode. And I think it's a big <laughs> one. They play fast and loose with the rules on how time works. From what we just said, it would seem as if this 
version of Amelia was a divergence of the time stream, right? But then we are doing things to affect the outcome of the episode that would have never taken place if we wouldn't have got to a certain point within the episode. So you're affecting your future from your future. And the reason I have an issue with that is usually when we see someone go in the past to affect their their future, it's because something is bad has happened. And that's a divergent timeline. So they go back to make the timeline better. Therefore, when they get to that point again, they don't have to go back and do the same action. So I, I, to me, from my understanding on how, and I know it's different in every iteration of sci-fi show or whatever, but to me, it's just like the rules are so loose on affecting the outcome of one's own time stream that it's just like a get out of jail free card. I mean, you can come up with any story in any Doc 2 instance and say he can just go back and fix it if you're playing with the rules like this. Yeah, well, the the problem I had with it was basically what you just said, because to me, this invalidated the rules of the actions and the consequences that happened in Series 1's Father's Day when Rose mm-hmm. came in contact with Baby Rose. And then, right. you know, that to me, when the two Amys touched, it's like okay, where are the creatures in the church? Because we should see them because they shouldn't be able to do this. They did. Why aren't you recognizing this? So, mm. yep, I, I've got the same problem with it. And I, But Clarence used the term science fiction. <laughs> and, I know. But, well, I, I've been thinking about this a lot today, that I always describe this as a sci-fi TV show. But watching this episode in particular, <laughs> is it, and, and, and maybe this is one of the problems with it, because I can buy a lot of the absurd things that happen in this story because there are uh, explanations for them inside the mechanics of the science fiction of the show as it has been explained. But Amy makes everything all right by wishing, really. <laughs> and, and if this is and if this is a fantasy, then that's okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. But so I'm I'm saying to Stephen Moffat, make up your mind. Do you do you think that's fair? No, I, th- no. I, th- I think that's very accurate, actually. Yeah. It's like you're having your cake and eating, eating it, too. Exactly. You know? exactly. It's like either we have some rules or we have no rules. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, you can do anything you want, which I guess that's the point. But still, you want some measure of logic. <laughs> What's going on? I don't know. Well, <laughs> I saw um, Star Trek Into Darkness in the theater. And I, I don't think that I was particularly there with a room full of Star Trek fans, but I, I guess I was, you know, because the films have sort of a general appeal. Uh-huh. But when Benedict Cumberbatch beamed himself halfway across the galaxy, <laughs> you could hear it in the theater. People going, oh, <laughs> people were making that noise. It's like, yeah, what do we need starships for? Yeah, boy. Yeah. So anytime that you, you break the rules that egregiously, <laughs> just want to yeah. say, well, then why have we bothered having rules? Why? <laughs> yeah. And for me, like, it's hard to say because all of the stuff the doctor does in this episode to do with time is really freaking cool. Yes. But it's kind of hard to balance that. The cool factor, which I agree is freaking uh, out of scale of one to five. It's a solid five on the coolness factor. Yeah. But then on the back of my head, I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, part of one of the things that has to happen in order to save the day is that uh, the doctor has to fly the Pandorica into the heart of the explosion. And a lot of us are saying, hang on, the Pandorica flies? 
<laughs> we have not heard about this before. <laughs> okay, all right. No, you you just keep talking. Whatever. Geronimo! From the doctor. What does it say? Geronimo. Right. <laughs> okay. I guess it has to if it's going to go into the explosion, but uh, okay. I wonder if Rory, uh, how, how he feels about that after he dragged the thing. From... <laughs> anyway. Well, maybe you had to be in, on the inside to, uh, you know, like, you know, you're locked in, and but you can ultimately go anywhere you want to. You just can't get out of it. Well, you could fly the prison anywhere. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can't get. And we, it can go anywhere. It can survive anything. But but you just can't get out of it. That's that's it. <laughs> but see, Lee, I think you hit it spot on when you said, you know, this is science fiction. And then if if you want to go the fantasy route, because when Moffat took over, and don't get me wrong, I, I love Moffat's tenure. Point blank. Love Moffat's tenure. I wish he would come back. But that said, there was an element of science fiction fantasy with this, particularly with Amy's story as a companion. It's it's told like a fairy tale, even to the point, if you guys will remember, I think it was this season here that when it premiered on BBC America, the opening credits weren't the traditional opening credits. It was this montage of Amy saying, when I was a little girl, I had an imaginary friend, blah, 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 blah. And and I remember in, in, in the press at the time that Moffat was saying that he has always seen the show as being a fairy tale. So, I mean, he, he said so. And we've, I don't think we've talked about this once, but in this season many of the episodes have a narrator and we have as far as i can recall we have never in doctor who before had someone the, the voice of someone who's reading us the story mm-hmm. never thought yeah. about that either but, but there it was again and uh, and at one point i i was actually just tonight i was looking for the credits that voice is not credited i think it's stephen moffat somebody's going to correct me about this because it's probably nicholas briggs <laughs> but um it's just I don't know. It's just interesting. It is a fairy tale. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. So let's go on. Let's move forward and let's talk about what I want to call Welcome Back, Rory William. And I will start this one. This is the scene between the doctor and Rory where the doctor is trying to determine, is this really Rory? And he basically blasts Amy for all she's worth about being unimportant and nothing of any importance to the universe, of which he gets a good, you know, punch in the jaw. So what did you guys think of that? And Clarence, why don't you start with this one? What did you think of this scene between the doctor and Rory? I don't know, really. I mean, he says that he said that just to make sure Rory was Rory. Uh, or the um, the Auton was Rory or had enough of Rory in him <laughs> that he could work with, I guess. But I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I have any opinion on it. What about you guys? All right, Lee? Well, I just uh, listened to our review of Vampires of Venice again the other day. Um, it kind of came up in my feed by accident, but I just left it playing because uh, I'm in love with the sounds of our voices. So I just had to listen to it. But um, I was thinking about all of the... Um, 
the kind of um, I'm trying to figure out how to, a, a PG-13 way of saying this sexually diminishing jokes for Rory. And um, and, and I remember that I was that that really rankled. And so uh, in this one, Laurie gets Rory gets to give the doctor a big clop on his uh, amazing jaw. So, um, OK, we're done now. You know, that, that ties off the abuse in the vampire. Oh, story. OK. I like that take on it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. OK. The I doctor can... knew it and the doctor knew it. <laughs> OK. He knew he had it coming. <laughs> and of course, I mean, to us at that moment, it felt like, oh, he's talking about his dead girlfriend that's right there. But. From the story, we know that's a future doctor that already knows that Amy's okay. Or is it? Right. Yes, it is. But I can't. It's confusing. It is confusing because I was sitting here going, is it? Is it? I don't know. I can't remember. It is because the other doctor is in the Pandorica. Yeah. And and, and even the, the doctor himself acknowledges that this is So let's get to the point to where River joins the fray. And this is the scene where you have River and the TARDIS. The TARDIS is blowing up. The doctor goes and gets River from the exploding TARDIS. So I had a question or I questioned something in the writing here. Why, if he can go in there long enough to get her out, why can't they together stay in and stop it from exploding. Did you either of you think that? I well, think I'm still back on the, how did he get in there? <laughs> so, you know, and, and because it's a fairy tale, we're not supposed to care. We're just supposed to be glad that they're together again and everything's going to be okay. But no, that your question is a really good one, and it's one of many questions. Yeah. I have written down here, the Vortex Manipulator came in super handy. Because <laughs> if not for that little device... This would have been a different episode. But yeah, why doesn't the Doctor get caught in the time loop as well when he enters the That was another question. Because he's a Time Lord. Hmm. Yeah. But, but an excellent, valid, and totally needing to be answered question. Hmm. Because he's the Doctor. Because he's the Doctor. Well, well there, there's just, this episode just has a whole lot of that. It's not <laughs> affecting him because he's a Time Lord. It's not affecting them because they've been through the Vortex. It doesn't affect Amelia because she's been living next to the crack in the wall. It's, a, you know, it, everybody, yeah. everybody's got to get out of jail free. <sighs> but now remember, this is not your typical universe. This is a collapsing universe that they are in the sole survive. they are on the sur- sole surviving planet. Right. So, so maybe that some of the laws. Everything. Yes, <laughs> laws don't matter. To get out of jail right. for easy cards don't matter because there's no such thing as jail because people don't really exist anymore. Exactly. We can do whatever. Yeah. We're we're, we're like has replaced the sun. <laughs> hello, he, yeah, very conveniently. They, they're they're walking in a universe where the laws of physics were divined by a madman with a box. Right. There you go. Mm. <laughs> Let's go on up to, you know, we've got River out. One of my favorite scenes out of this was, what have you got on your head? And then the shooting of the fairs. Right then, I have questions. But number one is this. What in the name of sanity have you got on your head? It's a fez. I wear a fez now. Fezes are cool. Oh! I just love that. That was so cool. <laughs> I'm not feeling the love here tonight. Wow. I like I like this episode, man, but 
Sorry, I like this episode, but when we start to pick it apart, just it's a fun ride, it's a fun romp, but man, <sighs> really can't examine it too closely. I do, I do have a very fond memory of, uh, of my son and I watching this together. He would have been, uh, I can't do the math, um, <laughs> fourteen. We just howled over uh, River shooting the fez. We just thought <laughs> hilarious. Speaking of that same scene, I like that um, the doctor had the Dish Network dish in his hand <laughs> to get a signal from the TARDIS. I thought that was real, real fun. <laughs> and it becomes a deflector for Dalek energy beam. And and uh, watching it just uh, uh, yesterday, I noticed a, a little special effects detail that I had not noticed before. But uh, look at that again when the Dalek is shooting his satellite dish, that everywhere there's an impact, there's a little... The, the dish glows a little bit. There's a little hot spot. Mm. So it hits it, and that, that spot is still glowing slightly. And then the next one hits, and there's a, you know? Does somebody put a little, some, some real effort into that, because it, it's, it's really nice. That is kind of cool. Yeah. So we see the Pandorica open, and they start to tell, because of the Pandorica open, with the, or the opening of the Pandorica, they start giving this reasoning that, oh, well, the Dalek is coming back to life because the light of the TARDIS holds the remnants of the lost universe. Yes, huge, uh-huh. gigantic, get-out-of-jail-free car. Right. Yeah. You really want the doctor to look right into the camera and say, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason with this part, I didn't have as much of a problem with. But do we do we know who created the Pandorica? Like what race or entity that created this that makes this one thing this powerful and this special? That's right. They all got together on the plan, but who actually made it? And why haven't we seen others since? Yeah, it's the Pandorica. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you only need one. Yeah, true. True. Maybe it was a once in a once in a reality. <laughs> creation right yeah there'll be another one in the next so go ahead no i was just gonna speak real quick to the idea of 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 the big bang two as the doctor puts it i don't know for some reason i like that um while maybe the details on this uh universe restoring energy is kind of dubious i do like the i did i did like the explanation of what of what they gave again, like we don't know the origins of the Pandorica, how it's able to do this, but still I, I somehow like that idea that they can kickstart the universe from I'm holding a finger share backups of, <laughs> of what the universe was like and kind of re-trigger it. And I guess the doctor is God because he's, he's doing the big bang. He's yep. starting it all over. River says, let there be light. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. And when she said that, I, that did make me feel just a little uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, and then they're calling it the Big Bang too. And regardless of how anyone's religion is, you know, focused around evolution slash religion, et cetera, and so forth. I've heard a lot of people marrying the two saying, yes, evolution happened, but it was happening at God's bequest and et cetera, and so forth. Okay. But regardless of what, I just kind of felt a little awkward with the Let There Be Light and then <laughs> Big Bang. That just kind of, I love the concept, but it did, I remember when I watched it, make me a little uncomfortable. Wow. 
And I thought of all the people I know, the person who'd be the most comfortable with River Song turning out to be God <laughs> would be you. <laughs> now, yeah. I didn't say she wasn't. I'm just saying it okay. just made me feel yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, it's <laughs> Sort of an adjustment, yeah. <laughs> but trust you know me, she has much more stuff that she says that didn't make me feel uncomfortable in this episode. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why they didn't call the episode The Big Bang 2. It's called The Big Bang. Well, Stephen Moffat says that it's kind of a, a rude joke, and he's always enjoyed getting away with it. Mm, explain. Because, well, at the end of the episode, uh, it is still uh, Amy and Rory's wedding night. Uh, and we will learn later on that... Uh, there that conception occurs on this night so steamo says that's the in his mind that was the big bang (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) so for any of you who are listening who have not seen series six go out watch series six because from this moment forward once again spoilers 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 Spoilers. Spoilers. Having given given the spoiler warning for series six, I just really think that it's cool that River was at the wedding. I'm just yes. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Not not many people can say that. Hey, right. How many grown people can say that they are at that wedding? Right. So totally cool. Let's talk briefly. You know, we've we, we've talked about the Pandorica shooting up into the sky. You know, we, we've seen what's happened, but I never noticed it as much as I noticed it this time. And even into the flashback and the rewind, ser- you know, series of events. But we're talking about how the ending happens and, you know, the fantasy of the ending. I never really realized how much I think the doctor literally was programming Amy all along, and I've never picked up on it before going into review mode and watching this, but Mm. I really got the feeling this time that he was, from Amelia up to Amy, programming his backdoor escape hatch back to reality. Did you guys feel that? No. Hmm. Okay. Clarence, what about you? uh, uh, Go ahead, Lee. Because I really don't want to. I'm sorry. Okay. Now I just want to hear what he's saying. Yeah. Um, for me, I kind of felt like he was. And not only in this episode for her remembering who he was or who he is, how much of that is, like Kyle just said, programming her from the moment we've seen her interact with the doctor. You know, she's the girl that doesn't make sense. But we find with this. This um, uh, what's the Dickens novel? He's going back in time and going, <laughs> going to a Christmas Carol is what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's like going into these different scenes in her life and are in. He's influencing her. He's whispering in her ear in each of these iterations. So how much of that? Of course, we know that's why she remembers at the point of her wedding. But how much of that is influencing her even even liking the doctor from the beginning? I think it would have some influence on that. Okay. Yeah. And, and and the reason why I'm sticking with no is because uh, we've actually talked about this before is the, um, the, the creepers aspect of the doctor manipulating this girl at any age of her. <sighs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to backtrack my theory, even though it did 
kind of seem like my theory, because while <laughs> I was thinking about it, I'm going to go back because of something I know from the future. She already knows. And it wasn't the doctor who told her. I'll just leave it at that. Well, it was the doctor that told her, but it was at someone else's behest that she already knows. So we'll get to that at some point in the future. So, okay. Okay. spoilers. Sure. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm not sure if that makes it okay. Yep. Well, <laughs> that's that's the story of how it ends. I'm just saying. You remember that we had heard that there was a draft of a script uh, for the Ninth Doctor and Rose in which it was revealed somebody right into the show and let me and straighten me out on this if I've got this wrong, but that he's been following Rose for years and has been sort of uh, grooming her to be his companion. Oh, boy. Yeah, I remember that. I remember us talking about that. Yeah. And cooler heads prevailed at the BBC because somebody said, ew. And so that's kind of the, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting here. I mean, he is, it, it's one thing to leave breadcrumbs for Amelia to get her into the right place where he can help her you know, the stick around pond and things like that. But I don't think he's influencing the future when he, when he talks to her as a child. I don't. Yeah. And that uh, I shouldn't even add this to it, but he does that with somebody else too. That was a companion mm-hmm. of his Levin, Clara. Yeah. Well, yeah. And yeah, all bets are off with Clara. Right? <laughs> Hey, hey, watch hey. it, buddy. Watch no, what it. I mean is that she's impossible. She's <laughs> literally impossible. Yeah, she she's unmoored in time and space too. So yeah, you don't. Yeah, but no, I want her. I want her treated with respect. Also, doggone it. Yeah, don't, it uh, don't manipulate people. And it's so weird because if you look back to, of course, Rose became otherworldly, and Martha, she's probably about the most normal we've gotten right. in New Who. Yeah, bless yeah, her. But, she she knew when to get out. <laughs> So you guys kind of talked me or talked us directly where I wanted to take us at the end of our review, which is the concept. Okay, I do want to go back and I want to talk about the ending because, there, you know, that's some of even though it was fantasy, some of my favorite parts. But before we get there, I want to talk about upping the stakes. And we saw, you know, with the first four series under RTD, we saw the stakes kind of raised each time. But with Moffat, Moffat comes out the door and his finale number one, his first series finale, is rebooting the freaking universe. I mean, yeah. how much bigger, per se, can you get? All right. Top that. Exactly. Yeah. And you get mad because of uh, the doctor has more lives. Come on. <laughs> That's right. True. <laughs> the universe. No, and really, you know, Kyle, you and I have talked about this before, that um, that there are th- things about the 11th Doctor and this time that I just really don't like. And this was one of the points where I started feeling started feeling the strain because I thought he just he just rebooted the whole universe. He's not he's not God. And I I, I was still trying to think of this episode as being strictly science fiction. And so I had nothing but trouble with from that point on, from rebooting the universe to Amy wishing the doctor back into existence and everything else. <laughs> but it, yeah. if it's a fantasy, then that's okay. We're, I keep talking about Star Trek here on our, on our Doctor Who show, but rebooting the universe has the same problem for me as the mirror universe in Star Trek, is that it, it ignores the fact that chaos is one of the forces that governs the universe. If the same event happened that started <laughs> yeah. our universe, 
you would not end up with an identical universe. You wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. And, and there is no way that there can be two parallel universes in which the same kinds of things are happening, but for completely different motives. That's just stupid. Yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. To buy it for an hour in 1967, but you, but leave it alone, people. Uh, it, that would make a lot more sense if you said there was an unlimited variations of universes, li- literally, That's and right. not ju- but but not ju- and you just happened to find one that was similar. But but no, the the I get what you're saying, having that direct opposite of motive kind of thing. Well, yeah. technically, I won't get into it. <laughs> they kind of said there's multiple. Jer- I mean, on our discovery, but I still don't. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> But yeah, I, I thought of Marvel when you mentioned that, though, or or just comic books in general, the multiverses. Mm. Most of them are pretty close to each other. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess that doesn't make any sense either. I don't know. Right. Mm. <laughs> well, we'll look at it this way. I mean, and again, this goes into the fiction of it with and keeping on the comic book thought. DC now not only has their multiverse, but they have the dark multiverse where yeah. It's not just that somebody went good or somebody was evil. It's, well, this was a bad thing that happened. Let's just make it even worse and see what happened. <laughs> yes. Mm. And that's my other problem with the Miriam. But yeah, <laughs> it ain't cool unless it's somehow revolting. But you know what wasn't revolting was what? the wedding. <laughs> even though we didn't see it, we actually get to see Mr. and Mrs. Pond. And I am not talking about Amy and Rory, I'm talking about the one and only appearance, because I think they need to be mentioned because we don't yeah. get an opportunity to talk about them again, is Amy's parents. We get their to see are? their her parents. Yeah. Thoughts. Is that a trivia question we can throw out? What are, their, what are their names? And don't look it up. I don't know. Their names <laughs> were Tabitha, uh-huh. because it's spelled oddly. In yeah. my opinion, it's like Tabitha, yeah. And I want to say the husband father's name begins with an H, but I don't remember. Close, it's Augustus. Okay, huh. and it only stuck with me because uh, there's a well, you know, but uh, <laughs> I wondered why those particular names. But Augustus, of course, you know, is a, is, is a, one of the Caesars, so that's part of her uh, a connection to uh, Amy's interest in ancient Rome. Mm. Ah, that makes sense. Makes yeah, sense. I think that's what I think that's fun. When she calls him her dear little daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they mentioned the doctor mentions an episode. You know, again, we said Amy doesn't make sense, and I love the fact that the way we explain away her parents not being there is that, like Rory, they got caught in the crack in the wall and they're just gone from existence. Um, I appreciated that, and if there is any plus to the way the doctor went back through time and influenced Amy. I, I, I really love that he made her, and maybe this may have occurred before he went back, but I love the way he made her remember her parents. I thought that was really a touch that really made that whole journey uh, really worth it for her. Cause I was like, okay, she got it. She, she had a life with her parents. Now uh, that's, that's worth it. And of course, uh, we get Rory back in, get the doctor uh, through hell of high water by the end of it. So, <laughs> And Rory is no longer made of plus. So I mean, I, that's a question. I'm sorry. I meant to put a question. Hmm. Made of plastic? I assumed when 
the Big Bang Two happened, everything that was there at that moment was eradicated or destroyed, and it kind of reset things. Right. It's kind of, I guess, that what River said too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Rory will go on to make reference in later episodes about he has those memories. Spoilers, yeah. but he, I think, and maybe the doctor taught him how to do this. He shuts those memories out. Yeah, you know? he'd have a lot of them because um, if we just think of this as fairy tale, if we stop trying to make this makes, there are several emotional beats or moments in this that just knock me out every time. And gentlemen, he waited for her for two thousand. And love, man. <laughs> and when she's hearing that voice reading about the lone centurion she knows oh that is just that's just beautiful great yeah just love it so ladies look for the guy who would wait for you for two thousand years and um who would be there and totally happy when the imaginary friend shows up at your wedding that's right and then declares (laughs) oh the new mr pond no it's that's not how it works yes yes it is yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So did you guys get a feeling at the end, and I'm skipping something because I want to go back to it, mm-hmm. but at the very, very end, when the doctor gets the phone call, did you think for a minute that he was saying goodbye to Amy and Rory? Oh, I think we're meant to. Yeah. Yeah. It's a joke. He says it's time to say goodbye. Okay. And cool. then Amy opens the door and says to everybody else, <laughs> goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that is the joke. Yeah. And the music, FYI, for anyone listening that was playing over that is called The Madman with a Box. So, <laughs> FYI. Yes. All right. So one of my favorite scenes, and let's talk about it really quick, was River and the Doctor in the backyard, garden, whatever you want to call it. Did you dance? Well, you always dance at weddings, don't you? You tell me. <laughs> Spoilers. The writing's all back, but I didn't peek. Thank you. Are you married, River? Are you asking? Yes. Yes. No, hang on. Did you think I was asking you to marry me or or asking if you were married? Yes. No, but was that yes or yes? Yes. River. Who are you? You're going to find out very soon now. And I'm sorry. But that's when everything changes. Any thoughts? And Clarence, I'll start with you. Uh, The only thing I really got from that is she mentions the next time we meet. He will know her. I think that, well, I'm getting the wording wrong there, but that's what it meant. <laughs> You're going to find out very soon, and I'm sorry. That's yes. when everything changed. Oh, well, there you go. You got it. Um, so I found that interesting. Other than that, I, I really like the doctors. I got more of that doctor intrigue of River in those last moments. Whereas the rest of these two episodes, he didn't really have time for that because they were kind of fighting for the lives. You know? uh, so I, I like that they took the time to give us that moment between them to reconnect uh, and, and get ready for the next adventure. Uh, it, it is a it is a poignant moment, isn't it? Um, 
because we've been reminded early on that the river that we've seen before has already experienced it. So she does know the outcome. And so here she is again, and we know that the next time we see her, it'll be, wait, what? <laughs> so, yeah, once again, the script kind of pulls the rug out from under us. The, the next time we see her is not going to be at the wreck of the Byzantium. There's something else we've got to go through first. Mm -hmm. She says, this is where everything changes. It's a great mystery. Yep. And even on top of that, when they were having the conversation about, you know, are you, are you married? And then <laughs> uh, she says, are you asking? And he says, yes. And she says, yes. And then, wait, wait, wait. And he backs up. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. funny. No. Did but she never confirms. And I thought that was, as an, yeah. for an audience member, that was like, you, you left us hanging about what did she mean? Did they just verify that they're married or was she just playing? Right. I, I loved that. So, gentlemen, question. Do either of you have any topics that you guys wanted to discuss before we get into our favorite scene? It is a tiny little thing, but I remember the uh, the woman I was with when I, I saw this the first time, um, the mother of my son, when Amy picked, sort of played with young Amelia's hair, and she said, 1996, uh, she said, do you know what she was doing? And I said, I think she was just remembering that haircut. And she said, no, I don't think so. It's a girl thing. I, okay, you got me. Do you guys know what she was doing? I'm lost. She was looking to see if Amelia had her ears pierced yet. Hmm. Okay. So she well, lifted the girl's hair on either side of her head, and she said, hmm, 1996. I would have never got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it makes perfect sense to me. I think, oh, yeah, yeah, of course she was. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> All right. So, Clarence, what about you? Did you have anything? I don't have anything else, sir. All right. So I have a few trivia items that I'll say just really quick that I found quite interesting. The broadcast narrative, the date of the events within this episode are the same dates as the actual broadcast date that it mm -hmm. aired on. So that was cool. Mm. The finale was the first time 2005 forward that did not feature David Tennant in the finale or a departing character. So I, one or the other, most notably, you know, having David Tennant in it mm. and those were, like I said, two bits FYI trivia. Well, let's, you know what? Let's start favorite quote. And Lee, I'll start with you. What was your favorite quote? It only makes sense in the context of this episode, but I, and I'm going to see if I can say it without crying, but it gets me every time because it's like magic words. Something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Yeah, that was good. Very good. That was good. I had never before thought what a beautiful description of the TARDIS that is, but then there it is. Love it. Perfect. Cool. All right, Clarence, what say you? Uh, mine would be 2,000 years, Roy. You won't even sleep. You'd be conscious every second. It would drive you mad. Will she be safer if I stay? Look me in eyes and tell me she wouldn't be safer. Rory, answer <laughs> me. Yes, obviously. Then how could I leave her? Very good. All right, so... I'm sorry, I could not come up with one favorite quote. So <laughs> I was your top three. My top. Well, what about my uh, top four? Because I had four. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. So my first one is trust the plastic. Yes. I just thought that was so cool, especially since I wear hearing aids. I just thought <laughs> literally trust the plastic. So cool. 
it's a fez. I wear fezes now. Fezes are cool. And you're going to find out very soon, and I'm sorry, that's when everything changes. And I'm River Song. Check your records again. Say it again. Oh. One more time. You will be exterminated. Not yet. Your systems are still restoring, which means your shield density is compromised. One alpha meson burst through your eye stalk would kill you stone dead. Records indicate you will show mercy. You are an associate of the doctors. I'm River Song. Check your records again. Mercy. Say it again. Mercy. One more time. Mercy. Yeah. We didn't talk about that scene. That was a great scene when the Dalek kills, or quotes, kills the doctor, and River just took vengeance. <laughs> Do you know, oh, when, we, when we went back to Genesis of the Daleks, that we talked about this, that, uh, that Davros ends begging for mercy from the thing that he has deliberately made to be devoid of mercy. <laughs> yeah. Know? And so now we get it again. The Dalek begs for mercy. Say it again. Yep. And series nine is saying Just mercy. Saying. So f- favorite scene. I'll start out with favorite scene. And Clarence, good taste, my friend, because my first favorite scene, because obviously I have more than one. My first favorite scene is mercy. That that whole, that's just classic <laughs> perfect river that is one scene that i have probably watched hundreds of times i just love that so um totally hands down love that and really quick i have read that the outfit that that they had river in was actually a star wars nod they took princess leia and they put han solo and princess leia together and came up with that. That was the inspiration for how she looked. Was like a Princess Leia-ish Han Solo. I see hmm. that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that is one of my favorite scenes. So I just am going to hand it over to you guys, Clarence, first, in case some of your other favorite scenes are these favorite scenes too. So what was your favorite scene? You can have more, but just favorite yeah. scene. I think mine would have to be the reveal that. Amy is actually in the Pandorica because for me, like, again, I said this every episode just about, but I don't remember any of these episodes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, and it was just the greatest surprise. And yeah, they had me hooked. They had me hooked from there. So I think that reveal was just excellent. What All about right. you, Lee? I, <laughs> I, the doctor popping in and out of uh, Rory there, who's, who's holding Amy like, like the Pieta, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, can anything be more serious than that? And then it gets silly. And I it just, I just love the way it's, it's able to do both of those things at the same time. And the doctor can't quite explain it in a hurry. <laughs> That's, I just love this script. Roy, listen, she's not dead. Well, she is dead, but it's not the end of the world. Well, it is the end of the world. Actually, it's the end of the universe. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Poof. Yeah, it's great. Uh, all right. So for my other favorite scene, late for the wedding, we've already talked about. Are you married? We've already talked about. Goodbye at the end. We've already talked about. And I want to give an honorable mention to one of the quotes. I can't believe I forgot to mention this one. But this is one that I think that has kind of seeped into regular pop culture over the years. 
it is we are all stories in the end. Just make it a good one. Yeah. You know, so that is one, you know, the last quote I want to mention before saying final rating and final rating. Lee Shackelford, I'll start with you. Final rating. What will you give it? Thank you. It gives me a chance to claim the fez. I give it five fezes out of five. All right. Clarence Brown, what say you? Oh, man. The fez was mine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I will give it 4.5 exploding tardi out of five. All right. I'm going to give it... (laughs) I'm going to give it five Dalek screaming mercy out of five. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I can't say anything else other than what I've already said. So just like the doctor, rewind and stop before you get in, you know, through with his incarnation out of fives. But yeah, five screaming Daleks, screaming mercy. Fala la 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 la. Gentlemen, one last question. Where else might you be found on the Internet? And Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. Uh, I will say just stay tuned in to DiscussingNetwork.com where you can find our shows, all Discussing Network show. Yeah. Awesome. Lee Shackelford, what say ye? I'm going to point people towards the uh, official website for the science fiction podcast, Relativity, which is drawing to a close. RelativityPodcast.com. Awesome. And, you know, Clarence, you almost like saw the future. Maybe you were just so involved into this story that it just kind of seeped into your consciousness because you said a Christmas carol within the last 10 to 15 minutes of recording. And ironically enough, I will end by inviting everyone listening back for our review of the 2010 Christmas special of Doctor Who called A Christmas Carol. So with that, we will be back next time. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?